Hola. Son las ocho de la noche en este momento. Acabo de ir a la plaza al, al otro lado de la calle a comprar un sándwich y papas fritas. El sándwich estaba muy bueno, pero las papas fritas eran más mejores. Tengo una hermosa vista de Medellín en este momento. Y si me preguntas, estoy muy, muy, muy feliz. For you non-native Spanish speakers, I can't relate. You know, but, you know, for, for y'all, I essentially said, hello, it's eight at night right now. I just went to the plaza across the street to get a sandwich and fries. The sandwich was very good, but the fries were even better. I have a nice view of Medellin right now. And if you ask me, I'm very, very, very happy. You feel me? With that being said, thank you for coming back to our beautiful podcast, Difficultish. I literally almost forgot the name for a second. Difficultish. It's Difficultish. Um, it's a south. It's a wow. I'm fucking. Should I? I'm not gonna start over. It's a podcast about South Asian narratives. And my name is Mashnoon. I do this podcast with my beautiful co-host Mahua. But as you can see from the title, this one is solo dolo. You understand doing it solo because silly Mahua broke her microphone. Tell her to not do that again. Cause you know I'm here by myself and. I'm going to be honest. Um I didn't pl- I I don't have nothing planned. Um kind of know what I'm going to talk about, but not really. It might say in the title. I don't know what I'm going to title this episode. Whatever. I'm going to just start blabbering. I'm going to keep blabbering, but I'm going to try to I'm going to try to make some sense in it, all right? So um um I started the podcast with a little Spanish excerpt um because I'm currently in Medellin, Colombia. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you would know that I was here about three months ago, came for a couple of days and fell in love with the city. Um, I came out of a whim. I've kind of always wanted to come here, but I just pushed the button. I bought a ticket, got a nice place to stay, came for four days, made some amazing friends and, um, it really had a big effect on me, you know, and I'm sorry if there's a lot of background noise, you know, I'm, I'm in the city, you feel me, I got, I got that nice condo, you understand, like, I'm, you know, I'm, stop, I'm bragging, all right, where was I, um, I'm, I'm in Medellin, Colombia, and I'm here for a month, <laughs> uh, it's like my third day here right now, um, I like telling people that I moved here, you know, it excites me a little bit, but technically didn't move here, I don't know, a month, it's a long time, it's the longest that I've been I realized this like on my way here. It's the longest I've been away from home. Like it, and it's the longest I've been away from my mother. I've not been away from my mom for damn, I don't know. Even when I moved out, you know, I moved out to an apartment like 20 minutes away, but I still came home like two or three times a week, so that literally didn't even count. But um yeah, man, it's it's my third day here right now and I'm feeling good. I I wanted to come out here for a couple of different reasons. And I'll 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 get more into a specific topic in a bit. Let me just let me just talk for a little bit, you understand? I wanted to come here for a couple of different reasons. One, because I graduated about a month ago and I wanted to treat myself a little bit. 
um, have a little bit of a getaway to a city that I just fell in love with the first time I came. Everything about this place is just so beautiful. It's so entrancing. Everything is, everybody's so kind. I feel like a, a lot of big cities in America or just like all across the world, um, whenever cities are built over big forestry or big, you know, plots of land, they kind of just wipe out the land and then they rebuild on top of that. But Medellin is a city that's so like deeply embedded into the mountains, into the trees. They left as much kind of natural life and natural being as possible when sculpting the city. And you can really see that, you know, the greenery is is so much greener than anywhere in the world. I've never seen anything this like you like you think your plants at home are green until you come to a place like this. It's so rich and it's so deep. I'm gonna start. To, I'm gonna stop talking about Colombia. <laughs> I could go on and on, but um, I guess it kind of relates to one of the main topics I want to discuss in in this episode by myself. Um, you could. I'm probably going to name the title after this, but um, essentially, kind of uh, my journey to uh, really learning to love my culture. And just learning to love culture in general. You know, I, I want to talk a little bit more about my art journey and my writing journey as well, since that's deeply correlated. But that's kind of the main topic that I really want to go over this episode. If that interests you, hopefully it does, because you pressed on this for a reason. <laughs> um, but uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. This is a long ass intro. I'm so sorry. I'm not sorry. This is my podcast. I'll do whatever. I want. It's not mine. It's half mine. Whatever. I'm gonna start now. Um, so so kind of taking y'all back a little bit. Um, you know, I know that we have a lot of new listeners nowadays, and the only time that I really talked about my upbringing was, I think, in like our first episode, and then in the episode where I talked about my writing journey. I think it's episode like 21 or something. It's when I put out my book. In that episode, I went a little bit more in depth into kind of where I come from, my background, and what has inspired the content in my writing. And, um, you know, that's stuff that I think about a lot nowadays because I moved back to, you know, my childhood, um, my childhood neighborhood, um, a month ago and I graduated school and I just have so much time on my hands. You know, that's something that, something that I've never really had, which is so crazy. Like whether I was in high school, I was so preoccupied with school shit. I was working, you know, I was working a job practically five days a week and I just had a lot of family stuff that was going on too when I got into like community college I was working two sometimes three jobs at a time on top of classes on top of you know family obligations um when I got to UCF the classes got heavier got a full-time job full-time whatever you know now is it's it's so crazy because I I have so much time on my hands and people warn me of this like after you graduate you get really lazy and I was like nah bro that's not gonna happen to me I'm gonna I'm gonna be on my feet 18 hours a day still just like before bro that's such a lie <laughs> after I get off the clock I literally just twiddle my fingers I go walk outside I watch some YouTube videos I cook dinner and and boom and I don't like it. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to come out here. Um, I needed a reset. I needed a rejuvenation. And 
a bit more specifically, I wanted something to help heal the artistic and creative side inside of me that I feel like I haven't been able to release for a while. You know, probably four, five, six months, I feel like I haven't made a single thing artistically that I'm proud of, which hurts me because I feel like there's so much contained inside of me that that I need to find a way to let out. And I'm sure a lot of people feel like this too. But a lot of the time in in like the real world, when you have so many things that are kind of occupying your your space and not allowing you to release, it can get to you and it can build up and it can really slow you down. And I feel like that's kind of what's been happening to me for the last three to four months is, I don't know, my mind has just been in like different places. And it's like incomparable to where it was when I first moved out because when I first moved out, I had such a big boost of energy and just inspiration and and I was making shit every single night and I kind of missed that. And that's kind of why I wanted to come here because I, w- I needed a space to to let it out again, you know. I have no idea where I'm going with this episode. I didn't write shit down. I'm a hold on. I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to create a a bit of a you know a linear kind of flow to this. So going back to my background, um, a lot of you guys know I come from uh, a low income community in Central Orlando. Um, it's on OBT. That's where I've lived ever since I was six years old up to 22 when I moved out, 23, I don't know, one of those, um, lived there for my whole life, I was born in the Bronx, lived there for a couple years, moved down to Orlando, Florida, and one thing that I was really grateful for with the way that I was brought up was how, how open-minded I became when it came to different types of people, you know, I, I was around all types of people from all across the spectrum, except for white people. I was not surrounded by any white people. I'll get into that later, but I was, you know, literally you go to like the next neighborhood up my street and like, there's nothing in English, you know, you cross like Sand Lake and OBT and there are places in these plazas that no signs are in English, you know, you walk into these restaurants, they don't speak English, you know, all these Cuban restaurants and Dominican restaurants and Puerto Rican restaurants, you know, I say restaurants just as an example, but I was, I'm very grateful for the way that I was brought up because I feel like I had a perspective that not a lot of people who looked like me really had, you know, and, um, you know, when I got a little bit older, I really began to understand the the beauty and the value that comes with understanding all these various cultures. And part of me feels like it's essentially my duty and our duty as people of color to give our time and energy to learning about other people, especially as Bengali people. You know, kind of deviating a little bit, there's there's something that I learned recently that um that made a lot of sense that I want to share with you guys. Um because I think a lot about how Bengali people specifically, you know, I'm not Indian, I'm not Pakistani, so I just don't have too much knowledge of 
what it is like growing up in that type of household with those types of people. All I know is kind of my family. And as you guys know, you know, I didn't grow up with too many brown people. The brown people around me, I didn't get along with them because I was nothing like them. And, you know, I felt very kind of shadowed by them. Um, so I would love to learn more about what it is like in your guys' households as well. But something that I learned recently that has only kind of pushed my my love for understanding not only my culture, but again, like everybody's culture. I'm talking about everybody's, bro. Like you can anything. I'm here in Colombia right now. Like what the hell am I doing here? What I'm doing here is loving culture, you know? And then after here, you know where I'm going to go? probably guatemala you know where i'm gonna go then probably brazil venezuela venezuela is probably not the best place to go right now but i would love to go to venezuela i'd love to you know then i'm going to the middle east right i'm going to qatar bahrain i don't know how to pronounce these countries listen i'm trying yo leave me alone bro like i'm trying all right but i learned that around the 1960s there was a protocol that the u.s sent out to India specifically, requesting more doctors. Because at this time, there was a lot of war going on just all around the world that the U.S. was involved in, and they needed doctors. And India had doctors. So that granted a lot of Indians access to immigrating to the United States. And from there, they would, you know, it would be easier access to getting, you know, visas for their family members and so on. Indians started immigrating to America, right? In the 1970s, during the Pakistani and Bangladesh Liberation War, a lot of uh, Pakistanis were granted access to immigrate into the U.S. And a lot of Pakistanis just in general started coming to the U.S. and leaving Pakistan because it just wasn't the safest place to be at. Being at the moment, um, also with the rise of the Taliban um, in the area in Afghanistan, um, not the best place to be at, they came to America in the 70s. And so India's, Indians and Pakistanis were already in America. And obviously, I'm not, I don't want to generalize. This is just kind of things that I learned. Um, but Bangladeshis in general, you know, they didn't start immigrating into America until like the late 80s into the 90s because they needed like a decade to rebuild its own country and gain footing, gain financial support to be able to come across the world, you know? So by the time that a lot of the Bangladeshi started immigrating to America, Indians and Pakistanis were already pretty settled in into the culture. You know, obviously they've, they put in their work and they were the taxi drivers and they were, you know, the Dunkin' Donuts workers. But Throughout the decades, they were able to, you know, get the finance jobs, get the doctor jobs, whatever. Um, but the Bangladeshis started coming to America at a time when, you know, a lot of Jamaicans were immigrating to New York. A lot of Trinis, a lot of Guyanese were immigrating to New York. And that's why you see, you know, in lower income areas in Queens and in Bronx to this day, um, Bengalis really had to learn how to assimilate with all of these different cultures, learn not only the English language alongside all of these other people from different countries, but also their cultural tendencies, also, you know, their traditional tendencies, learning their foods, learning the way that they speak, their lingo. And it really became such a warm melting pot 
of all of these different assimilated cultures in places like the Bronx, where where my family's from, you know, um, my my God family. I I have a God family who, uh, when when I was uh, born in New York, there was a family that lived in the floor above us, and they really overlooked me and my family because they were all a bit older than us, and they helped us with like literally everything. We would not be here without them. And I learned that my godfather, you know, the father from that family, was literally one of, if not the first Bengali in the Bronx. Because at that time, there was not any Bengali people in the Bronx. They were all in Queens, all in Astoria, all in Jackson Heights, whatever. Um, but uh, I think about how, you know, a lot of the, the folks older than us, like they were forced to learn all of these different cultures and they wouldn't be able to survive in their own boroughs if they didn't learn how to do that. So that's why I think of myself today and how gracious I am for the way that I was brought up and how how not only do I understand different cultures, but I have a, a real pure love for Spanish culture, for African culture, for, for anywhere. This didn't come up until like the last couple of years when I met Mo. She's the one that really enriched my love for my own culture as you guys know i've said that many times that's uh you know that happened maybe like two years ago it all happened at the same time when i just realized the beauty of culture man so so that's one thing that i hope a lot of you can take away i know not everybody has the opportunity to travel to a different continent and stay there for a month but i think fully immersing yourself into something that makes absolute no sense to you is just one of the pinnacles of the human experience really you know like i i think ever since i graduated i've been asking myself like man like what am i trying to do bro <laughs> like like not not in terms of a profession but like where do i want to be as a human like where do i see myself going you know and it's it's a long road. It's an endless road. It's an endless journey. It doesn't stop. And like me asking myself kind of hurts me sometimes because I just hate thinking about it and hate realizing that I don't know shit because that makes me sad. You know, I think um, going back to when I was growing up, a lot of you guys know, like I, I didn't do too good in school. And you not doing good in school, it automatically puts kind of like a bookmark on your name of this guy's not going anywhere. Brown people don't look at talented you are creatively. Wow, I, I cannot speak. I'm so fucking so, I'm so sorry. They don't look at how talented you are creatively, artistically, what interpersonal skills you may have. It's just based on your grades. So growing up, I kind of always felt like the dumb kid around because... All the other brown kids just did a lot better than me. With that, one thing that I've always strived for was to just be smart. And I think I, I let that mess with me for a long time because I always thought that I was just kind of a dumb kid. And it didn't it didn't occur to me until recently, until maybe like quarantine, that like, wait, like, you know, there's there's more to me than kind of my grades. And I wish I had people telling me that because I didn't. And I don't think a lot of people really do. Our our worth is based on what we're achieving in school, and that could be very jarring for the human soul, especially somebody who wants to get into something creatively because they don't feel like they're even allowed to, and that makes you halt that process, that makes you slow down, and it just makes the journey 
not only longer, but just a lot more difficult, you know? Look, yo, if you're, I have no idea where I'm going with this episode. I just hope, <laughs> yo, I hope you're enjoying this. Damn, I, Mo, I need you. This is hard. <laughs> I don't know how she did it. She had notes written down. That was probably better for her. I have nothing written down. Listen, I'm just blabbering, all right? If, I, if, if I'm making sense to you, you're weird because this is not making any sense. I think when I posted the post on our Instagram asking what you guys want wanted me to talk about, I literally got like 30 different things <laughs> and they were all different. So I chose not to pick one and I chose to talk about everything. But one of them that I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about, um, and I think now being my solo episode, I um, I think now would be a good time because I got a couple responses in regards to like what my kind of position was growing up as like a brown man with like a sister, what my position was with my family, and what makes my upbringing kind of different from other brown kids. And I want to speak on that a little bit because, you know, when when her and I had the idea of starting the pod together, I was kind of excited to know that I'll have a place where I can talk a little bit more about, you know, my life and my experience, obviously. One thing that I realized over the last year of doing this was just how different my upbringing was from all the other guys that look like me, you know, because with us growing the Instagram, I see a lot of the responses that that uh, you girls give, you know, our, our demographic is like 80% girls and a lot of our DMs and a lot of our responses come from girls. Um, so I get a lot of really good insight into what your guys' lives are like, a lot of insight that I just never really had because I don't really understand this typical brown upbringing type of life because it's not me. I don't come from a typical background. My older sister was granted the opportunity to move out early. She was 18, 19 in college. She moved to Atlanta when she was 23. She's been living on her own. And, um, you know, I'm kind of the one that had to uh, stick back a little bit and take care of the family um, emotionally be there at home and, um, you know, really be kind of like the rock for my family. Um, I won't say the rock, you know, of course, you know, things were messy. Things are a lot better now, you know, and me saying that, like now I understand that that's very different to what maybe a lot of you girls experience because I know a lot of you girls, you aren't really granted the opportunity to have too much freedom. You probably don't get to go out too much. You probably don't get to move out early. You probably, you are probably the one that has to stay home and be with the family. And that's all stuff that like, I don't understand. When I say I don't understand, I'm not saying that like you don't make sense. What I'm saying is with me living the exact opposite of what you a lot of you girls have lived it does like it is a bit difficult for me to able to be able to comprehend a lot of that not that I'm not able to but like it's always just a work in progress you know so that's why the the pod can get a little difficult sometimes for me because I really have to remind myself that my life was different and what a lot of you girls live is the reality of what a what a lot of brown skin girls live and you know so i i'm getting a lot better at this and i'm 
learning a lot more and I'm really becoming a lot more open-minded to what a lot of you girls do go through. But that's something that I just kind of want to vocalize um, in case you guys might you know, see me get a little bit more quiet or just a little bit more awkward when we talk about that type of stuff in various episodes. It's just because like, I'm really here to learn that type of stuff. I don't really have much input. You know, I can sit here and tell you guys that I'm on your side. I support, you know, everything that Mo does for, for girls and everything that she does to help you guys out and give you guys kind of light and shine. I keep interchanging girls and guys pardon me, you know what I mean. But I'm just, I'm getting better at really, um, I've always been pretty open-minded, but this is just kind of like a different stratosphere of open-mindedness to where like, I have to talk like somebody who, who has lived the exact type of life and what I would be saying as that person. Because I know the reality is that a lot of brown guys have that freedom. And a lot of brown guys can't do whatever the hell they want. But when I say that I know that, I'm not saying that I know that out of experience because out of experience, a lot of the guys that look like me had the exact same role that I had, you know? So again, you know, I'm just kind of vocalizing my my opinions on this just to give our constant, you know, listeners a bit more insight into why some of these things might be hard for me. And I, I'm trying to get better, bro. Like, but I guess at the end of the day, that's that's what empathy is. And I think empathy is something that I've, I've always struggled with. I've always had issues with understanding other people's pains. Um, maybe because I didn't really have too many people giving my own pain attention to where it just like became uh, not hatred, but maybe just a little bit of spite into like, man, like, Nobody was there for me. Like, you don't deserve to have anybody there for you. Weird thinking. I know. Some things that I'm really trying to work out, you know. But over time, and, and the, the podcast has really helped me have more empathy, especially for brown-skinned girls. Because that lifestyle is... I don't get it. Obviously, I don't get it. But, like, I really don't get it. But I am learning to have more empathy. Especially, like, having more conversations with my sister. You know, me and my sister have always had... Well, not always, but probably over the last couple of years, we've become very, very close. And she's she's my best friend now. And she's four years older than me. Um, but, you know, her and I never really talk about, like, I never really ask her questions about what, like, how she felt growing up, like, in her body and, like, in her head. And I don't know. I think, like, we have a bit of, like, a funny comedic relationship where it's always just very lighthearted and it's always very warm and loving. Um, so we never really get into anything too deep like that. But, um, you know, this pod does really help me want to learn a bit more about her and just what goes on in the woman's mind, you know, because there's so much for me to learn. There's so much for the guys that look like me to learn. So if there are any guys, my 20%, my 19%, one thing that I wanted to also get into is that a lot of you boys got some issues. A lot of you boys don't be giving the love to these brown-skinned women that they deserve. A lot of you guys be hating on them. A lot of you guys be weird, just weirdos. For what? Because you're insecure? Because you're a weirdo? I feel like, uh, and I kind of went into this maybe a couple episodes ago with a lot of brown guys messing up 
the person or the people that should fix these brown guys are brown guys. <laughs> you know, the guys like me that are a bit norm- a bit more normal in the head, that have a bit more wisdom of like knowing that you shouldn't say the N-word, knowing that you shouldn't be a weirdo with girls, knowing that you should have some more empathy for what your sister's going through, for what your mother's going through, for what your girlfriend's going through, all of that. You know, so so my 20%, um, I definitely want to have a deeper episode on this in the future with Mo because I am really struggling right now. <laughs> um, I am struggling. I I am having a hard time staying on track. I don't know how she did it. Damn. Yo, if, if you listen to this on your own, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mo, forgive me, bro. I'm never doing this again. Nah, I'll do this again. Do you guys like this? Let me know. I'm rant. What the hell am I doing? Damn, what sh- I wish I could ask y'all to give me like a topic right now because that would help me very much. I don't know how people do solo podcasts. Damn. Okay, what what else can I talk about? More of the story. Um, brown skin girls, I love you. I'm learning to empathize more with you and I'm getting better. And brown skin guys, um... 20%. I'm coming for you with a longer episode with my beautiful co-host and I'm gonna set y'all straight. Moving on. I guess one of the last things I could talk about if you made it this far it's because you love me. Um I know. I know you love me. I know I'm I'm pretty cool. Um I haven't always been this cool though. You know I I think I got cool maybe during quarantine. Yo, that quarantine shit was crazy, huh? Shit was crazy, huh? You know, I think everybody hated it, but everybody low-key loved it <laughs> because uh, I think I really learned to find myself at that time. Something so beautiful about just being stuck at home and just being forced to look at the wall and like reevaluate your life. Man, we should we should have like there should be like a month long quarantine every year. Imagine that. Imagine like one month out of every year. You just have to sit at home and do nothing and just like reevaluate your life. Would you like that? Probably not. Would I? Probably not. Maybe a little bit. Um, I think one of the last things I want to talk about, you know, damn, I am not saying on track at all. Um, if you made it this far, you love me. And for that, I'll talk a little bit about where I'm at with my writing and my artwork. Where am I at? <laughs> Shit, I didn't even think about this. The, the biggest reason why I wanted to come to Columbia by myself was um, I just needed to have like an artistic episode, a month long episode just with myself because I, I need some stuff to let out. You know, as you guys know, I put out a book um, nine months ago. Time flies, bro. My book, it's named Headspun. Um, it's available on Amazon. If you haven't already purchased it, please. I don't even care about the purchasing. I just care about you having the book in your hands. I care about you taking your time reading all these poems. I put a lot of care into the poetry inside this book. And, um, to this day, you know, I, (laughs) I literally read my book on my plane ride from, uh, from Orlando to Medellin. And, um, I read it twice. The first time I kind of like speed read it and then the second time I really took my time and man um I love that book bro I really do I wish I can like sit right next to every single 
person that reads this book just so I can give them some more context clues and some more background information to every single poem that I wrote in this book. Um, but I can't, you know, I guess that's what artwork is, right? It's like, you just got to make something and you got to give it to somebody and you just got to hope that they get what you're saying. And so if there are any listeners that have it, um, I really hope that you understood what I was trying to say. If you don't have it, I would really appreciate you getting it and, um, you know, just reading it and, and hopefully you do take something out of it. But for the for you that don't know, the book is essentially about uh, my upbringing coming from a low-income community, um, dealing with just uh, family complications, my struggle with connecting with Islam, my struggle with connecting with my culture, finding my identity, all that kind of jazz, you know, and um, I think when I moved out, I really 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 went ham with the artwork and with the writing because i was finally in my own realm in just my own hemisphere where i can make whatever i want and i don't have a single soul telling me not to do something and i let a lot out and when i put out the book something that i really didn't account for was the void that i was gonna feel with having all of that information out of me because like I said in the beginning I'm not much of a talker you know I talk on this podcast but we talk about generalized topics you don't really catch me talking a lot about the real kind of meaning behind a lot of my paintings and I don't think I ever will you know especially not over like a microphone into like a laptop I might do it in person with somebody but I think that kind of slowed down a lot of my writing journey unfortunately Um, I just had to get used to the fact that if I wanted to continue doing this um, I had to be okay with putting myself a little bit more out there and um, something I'm still getting used to, you know, I'm not a big social media guy. Um, you know, I, I got Instagram, I post pictures, I got TikTok, I make TikToks, but it's not personal. You know, I, I don't get personal ever. And I'm still really trying to find out if that's a good or bad thing. What do you guys think? Do you think it's, do you think it's good or bad to be more personal? Do you think it's good or bad to show slash share more of yourself with others? I still struggle with that. You know, if Mo was here, she would say that, you know, of course, there's always going to be things that she holds private. But for the most part, she is fairly open with a lot of things. And I'm very proud of her for being able to do that. But like, that's not me. You know, I'm like, again, connecting back to my writing, um, that slowed me down a little bit. And I spent the last couple months kind of recalibrating and trying to think about what I want to make while making sure that I remain comfortable in my own skin and I'm just okay with what I make and what I let out. You know, I've been uh, making, you know, some longer Instagram captions, like I write poems for like some of my recent Instagram pictures and um, those I'm pretty proud of. I'm really trying to find like a cool little hybrid between spoken word poetry and just uh, rap music and rap lyrics because as you guys know, I would love to talk more about music one episode, but um, I love music. I have a deep, deep, deep love for music, especially rap music. A lot of my writing in my book, it's it's very rap influenced. It's very bar heavy. Even bro, like two days before I came to Medellin, um, I'm a big battle rap fan. <laughs> I watch a shit ton of battle rap. I've been watching battle rap since I was a little ass boy. And I've always dreamt of going to a battle rap event 
at like a big stage with a full crowd and just cheering on with these battle rappers with just crazy bars that they say. And literally like two days before I came to Medellin, there was a there was a surprise battle rap event. The very actually not the first one, but the second one, but but like the first one that I was aware of that was going on in Orlando. Can you believe it? A surprise battle rap event that was going on in Orlando. It was a private invite only event. Um, I have a connect that is a battle rapper um, from Florida. He helped me get in and I literally saw like, bro, I saw some of my fucking idols. I saw the people, I saw some of the guys that I was watching when I was 15 years old, you know, rapping on a big ass stage with Jada Kiss and Diddy and Drake on the stage. Like, that shit was crazy. Anyways, going back to my writing. Um, yeah, so just trying to, just really trying to figure out what my footing is with writing because, um, you know... I've always loved writing. You can ask my mom, bro. I've been writing since I was a little ass jit since elementary school. In in high school, I remember like we had a ninth grade teacher. Her name was uh, Miss or Doctor Weaver. Um, sh- she had this assignment where once a month, every single student had to write um, a story, a story slash essay, and they had to present that story slash essay in front of the whole class. She had like very general topics for us to base our stories off of. Um, it could literally be about anything. And uh, I used to have so much fun with these stories, bro. I would write about the weirdest shit. I remember like in elementary school, I would just be like writing stories and just writing, writing anything. I started, I joined Poetry Club when I was in the 10th grade. My friend got me into poetry. I've loved poetry ever since then. I love this shit. I really do. Not only do I love it, I'm really good at it. I'm really, really good at it. I put a lot of care and a lot of passion to the shit that I write. To this day, my notes app is is filled with fire. I'm just trying to figure out what to do with it, bro. I'm trying to figure out what to make with it. Because I want to just sit around and make little corny TikToks and hopefully something happens with that. I want to make shit that I'm proud of i've always been quality over quantity i've never cared about putting a bunch of shit out i know that's kind of the 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 thing to do now is to just put out put out put out and hopefully something sticks that's never been me because i don't write a lot but what i write is very very good you know so just a quick update for y'all um i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna put some stuff out very soon um, I bought a camcorder before this trip because uh, I wanted to make cute little, you know, camcorder type of film videos to go along with my spoken word pieces and hopefully make something cool. Um, I came across an artist recently that I'm so deeply inspired by. His name is Rahul. He is a musician from Tampa, Florida. Um, big fan of him. Um, I, I came across him when he was very small. He just put out his very first EP and he's doing amazing right now. And he's, you know, whenever I come across somebody who is not only brown skin, but just so deeply artistic, um, I can't help but just be so inspired by it and be so pushed to make, to make more of what I love to make. Um, so, uh, so yeah. Uh, what the fuck? I'm 47 minutes in. I don't know if there's anything else you guys want me to talk about. Um, let me think real quick. 
Uh, do I got 10 second advice? Let me see. Let me pull up my notes. I told you I got heat in my notes. One second. Let me see if I got anything. Da -de -da -de -da. I'm pulling it up. I'm pulling it up. Um, I don't have 10 second advice, but I got like a little like 16 bar rap in my notes. If you guys want to hear that, um, if you're listening this far, um, you deserve it. <laughs> I don't know why you're still listening, but I'm a rap a little bit for y'all. Um, so this is a little thing that I made. I made it over the, the, uh, the beat from Kendrick Lamar's, uh, song titled fear. It's one of my favorite instrumentals. It's, uh, it's very touching. It's very thought provoking. And whenever I listen to it, I just have to sit down and write some shit. So here, here it is. Mama Sebrin overheating when the summer came. It only went like 30, maybe 40 till the rubbers gave. The fiends, they always reek. It got me sick. It gave me stomach pains. I'm crazy thinking about the shit I did to keep my mother sane. My bro, a wizard with the hammer like he thought. He let it rain, especially when that thunder came. My mind, it got a mind, but please don't mind. That's how the stutter came. I'm stutter stepping on the block, not busy playing other games. I did it from the ground. Just ask around. It ain't no other way. These boys are sweet like butter cake. They never been there trapped with so much dope and make you suffocate. My stomach making noises every night. I'd wake up underweight. It's always OBT up on my sleeve, bitch. I'm custom made. My block is twisted fantasy, but I ain't never run away. Some people ain't believing me now. Now they got the puzzle face. Man, what a shame. My vision like the Hubble space. I was sleeping on the floor. Now I'm sleeping with the city view. Just thinking about my younger days. Just thinking about my dumber days. Thank you guys for listening. Um, my name is Manshnoon. Follow me on everything. Um, by everything, I mean Instagram. I probably should have said that in the beginning. Please rate the podcast, review the podcast, all that good stuff. Thank you for listening. If you really listened um this far ahead, um, thank you, uh, so much. Um, I had no idea what I was gonna do when I started recording. Um, but I'm feeling pretty good now and I'm feeling a little bit motivated to, uh, make something right now. Uh, it's 8.41 PM. I got some time. Um, I'm finna do something right now. Um, if you listen this far, thank you. Really. I appreciate you. I love you. And, uh, talk to you soon. Kudafis. <laughs>